Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Draft recap show, and I guess Jordan Love extension review because that happened too. The the Packers front office has actually had a really good couple weeks in terms of doing deals and uh, I would say drafting too. But we'll get we'll get to all that. Uh, but first, uh, to hopefully help us out in urban Wauwatosa, we have. Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Still living through these uh, internet issues that makes every every second I'm speaking and listening an adventure. But uh, but yes, we are uh, a couple months out. No, a couple weeks out from draft day, and uh, still still absorbing. Still can't can't believe that one of them has number thirty six. That thirty six is somehow a number that is available to take. I know everyone was excited about number seventeen going to the kicker, but uh, <laughs> to me, to me, it's thirty six. Thirty six is uh, crazy. It yeah, is. It's that's tricky. The exciting one. You you can't retire too many numbers in the NFL. It's no. You know, there's can't. just it's a big team, and there's not that many numbers, and. You know, you don't want to fall into the bear trap, which, you know, they have the most retired numbers of any NFL team, which is insane because, you know, they're not good. But but it is true. <laughs> um, so it's always a problem for them. But it's still crazy it's, to see anybody wearing 36. And and the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks set a really weird standard with the number, the number of numbers they retired. Consequently, you've got some greats like Ray Allen and... I guess Michael Red could be considered a great, but certainly by by the nature of the, the <laughs> players that they have retired, they should be up there too. But they can't afford to keep retiring numbers because a lot of like pretty quality, but, but you know, not star 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 guys are up there in the rafters. So yeah. uh, Packers Packers have learned their lesson. They're keeping it a little tighter. Yes, whereas the Brewers are the opposite. Um, they have not nearly enough they people retire to retire anybody. Yeah. Uh, they'll retire anybody, but also don't have a lot of people to retire, which gets you rally fingers up there and Hank Aaron up there. And not that Hank Aaron's number shouldn't be retired, just not really for the Brewers. <laughs> yeah, that's all. There's that one, and, and fingers too. Fingers yeah, is fingers a little too. tricky because he, you've got. He was very good, but he was only there for like four years. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly one of them. You know, it's not like any of these guys went into the hall as Brewers. Uh, so. It's them and it's Euchre and you know we got the two good ones at least, but man, yeah, Euchre, Yount, and Molitor. Yeah. It's either that or a wider, wider expanse. Yeah, which no, don't do that. Our good people, always, our recent good people, always have problems. Um, our <laughs> that's that's enough shtick. Um, also in Colorado to help us out. Back. Again. I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. And there you are, Matt. My triumphant return. What about uh, Prince Fielder? His number's retired, and he totally deserved it. No, right? it is not. It's not, it's not, not retired. Numbers. Yeah. No? Okay, well, then that, that's absolutely a number that needs to be retired as a brewer. <laughs> um, I, yeah, Ryan Braun, not retired, and very questionable. Really not sure where that goes there. Prince yeah. Fielder, not retired. No one's been retired since the early 
like I guess mid nineties with Robin Yount and yeah. Oliver. If, if they There's... retired, if they retired Braun's number, it'd be a real shot in the arm to the stadium. Uh, I I think yeah. Fielder's defensible. Um, it it's it gets a little tricky because there's guys who are almost as good as he was. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he was Cooper. fun. Yeah, l- yes, like Cooper probably the good case there. Um, like maybe Teddy Higuera since he he's still the best pitcher in franchise history. Uh, our franchise is bad, but this is not a baseball yeah. podcast. Well, welcome to Reporting is Eligible, where we discuss the Brewers. <laughs> where thirty six is not retired by the Green Bay Packers. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, man. Ah, Michael Red though I actually didn't know that. I feel like that's a, 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 a kind of questionable. Michael Red is fine, but no, Red's not retired. Oh, he's not. Red's not retired. Good. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, Goodness. moving on. Jesus. Sorry, sorry. It, it was bothering <laughs> so me. The, 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 I, I'm the, a surge here. If, if Michael Red was retired, I was actually gonna have a problem with that because, like, Michael Red was a fine player, but he was like Ray Allen's replacement and way worse. So. Yeah, I think Michael Red should be retired based on the standards that have been previously set. That's, okay. That's all I'm saying. Fair, fair, fair. Totally fair. All right. So I am I am going to warn the listeners. Um, I understand baseball now, so the baseball shtick is probably going to be really bad this year. <laughs> Matt has become self-aware on baseball. I yeah. love this. I love it. It's pretty good. And done it in a very classic way. Video games. Uh, for M- the MLB part. The Show taught me everything I needed to know about baseball while yelling questions into the ether at my Google Assistant anytime I didn't understand something. Yep. And and he's learned quickly. He's made good progress. It's been yeah. very impressive. And you know that I'm not going to compliment Matab if I don't have to, but like he really... <laughs> Has grasped baseball. Like, he yep. asks really good questions. Yep. He does. Well, thank you, JR. That means so much. Thank you, dude. Like, Yeah. We, and we can talk football, too, I guess. On this we part. probably should do that. Let's, let's talk about the love extension. Let's talk about the love extension. That's a good idea. Because it's gotten, not short shrift, but, you know, the draft happened. And uh, a lot of talk has been about that. But the love extension was uh, both very good for both sides, I'd say, and unusual. Like, I feel like usually you have knockdown, drag out negotiations between player and management, um, especially in football and especially with quarterbacks. And in this instance, uh, it's almost like a baseball, like buying out your arbitration years deal. Hey, back to baseball, um, where Jordan Love uh, makes now he makes money up front. They did not exercise his fifth year option. It's the important thing, which commits a lot of money into one year and uh, makes they have to commit it now before they see him play this Gives him a bunch of money. He's rich, set for life if he, you know, spends his money well. Um, Splits the pay between this year and next year cap-wise and uh, allows them to assess. And if he turns out not to be good, um, they can move on without too many consequences. So Love gets rich up front. And if if he is good, it doesn't matter. Like, they'll rip up his contract and pay him like a, a good quarterback at that point. So it really works out well for everybody. It's it's unusual. It, it's a huge win for well, both sides. But, like, I feel like the Packers are usually sharks, like they were with the Jets. And here, I feel like they weren't to their benefits. I wish more people would do this kind of thing with their players. It's good to see. Very happy with them. Was was that number one a West Side Story reference, Sharks and Jets? Yes. Yes, it absolutely Excellent. was. All the way. I'm a huge fan. Yes. From- uh, number two, it feels like they played him, like you said. Like It feels like they... They, they floated that, oh, I don't know, that fifth-year option, really tough, not sure which way we're, we're going to go. And then he's like, but I could be quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, finally, so I really want to be here. And what does, it need to ta- what does it take to get me to to still be here and get paid a little bit? And and so I feel like they played him a little bit. I have no way to know so that for in, sure. So in, in the scenario, basically the way it works is he gets like $13 million up front yeah. instead of 20 
with the chance to earn 22, 22 and change. Um, the escalators on his contract that give him his performance incentives are all very attainable. Um, basically, if he is slightly better than Aaron Rodgers was last year, he will get all of his incentives. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I thought they kind of played him at first two when I, when I did see this. But I think it's like reasonable enough from the love side that it's really just more of a we'll pay you more or less the fifth year option with some caveats. And we just get to do the cap a little different. Like it's it really is more like that than anything else. So um, it's creative. I like creativity. Yeah. And also spreading out the cap hit is really great because yeah. 2024 is a much nicer season than 2023. Indeed. So all good. Um, and, you know, Jordan Love deserves some cash up front anyway for being patient and by all accounts a really good teammate about this whole thing. Um, it, it can't be that fun to be behind Aaron. You know, um, Aaron, Aaron's great. You can probably learn a lot from Aaron, but he doesn't seem like a loving mentor. <laughs> well, no. and, and I, I will, I'll disagree to a point in that it seems like Aaron is really great if he doesn't feel threatened by his backup. He's been a phenomenal teammate to Tim Boyle yeah, and Kurt yeah. Bankert. And, and, but like to the heir apparent, I, I would assume that there's a little bit of uh, um, bridled animosity. <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? <laughs> it is now. <sighs> so anyway, I guess our overall is that was good. That was good all around. Um, and looking forward to seeing Jordan play for good or ill. Um, you know, this is exactly the scenario that you should have to assess your quarterback, and and we're going to get to see it. So that's all good. All right, should we, should we move on to the draft since there's so much of it? <laughs> there's a lot of draft. Yeah, they drafted like an entire football team. They, they really did. An entire team. There's so I cannot believe Gutekunst sat there and made all nine of his day three picks, and <laughs> not once did he think about, like, mm, maybe I should give up three of my four sevenths. Yeah, <laughs> it was... Uh, it was very unusual for that. That guy loves his seventh-round picks. Um, it's disgusting. And there is maybe a little bit of a market inefficiency there. Um, over the last several years, it's kind of been the case forever, but uh, UDFAs, because they are essentially free agents, can actually often negotiate more money than seventh-round picks, um, and in some cases, sixth-round picks. So if you do know what you want and what positions you want, you can save yourself a little bit of cash by cashing in on those seventh-round picks, and I think the Packers kind of did that because they're up against it cap-wise. I think that's one of the main reasons this happened, but it's still weird to see. <laughs> you know, We're used to seventh-round picks being like, are they going to make the team? And they always do for the Packers. But, um, it was just, I, I had to sit around and watch the whole thing. <laughs> it took forever. Um, Is there a, who was it? Was it the Cowboys who like nuked their undrafted free agent um their undrafted free agent pool on like one guy. Uh, I think they did, but I was I, I saw some big huge bonus, but I wasn't paying attention because it's the Cowboys and I don't care about the Cowboys. Um, but I do think that happened. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Um. But um. Any so the team. Oh, go ahead, Jr. No, no, I no. Go ahead. I was just transitioning into a review of the draft where they traded back like what was it three times before they finally made one of those second round picks. They uh. They, they they left everybody waiting. I think it was only two trades. Yeah, I think it was right, two, two uh, trades. To get... um, but it, it, I got to use the trade back twice, which makes me happy. And beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. I, I do think just from a high level, that they had a really 
a really good value draft. Like trading back is almost always a good idea. I'd say especially in this draft, which was kind of a flat talent draft, um, you were not losing as much value going backwards as you normally do. It was not a there's not a lot of huge ceiling at the top of this one, especially outside the quarterbacks. Um, and so anytime you could get more picks, it was totally worth doing because there's every chance a fourth round pick is going to be as good as a second round pick in this draft. Um, and they really went for a lot of high upside positions uh, and high value positions, which is nice to see because they have not always done that. Last year, they did not do that. They picked an off-ball linebacker in the first round. Um, getting edge rushers is generally a good idea. Getting wide receivers is generally a good idea. And if you're going to get tight ends, um, you want tight ends who have high upsides. And they got the two of, two of the highest upside guys in the draft. So I'm super pleased with how it went. I got some quibbles with specific people. But their process, I think, was out of the park good here. You, I messaged, I think, early on that Will Levis was going to be there at fifth or 13, whatever they ended up with. <laughs> I'm, I'm Paul now, not not being able to keep 15 and 13 straight. Uh, you just said Levis, right? And, and he, and he was, yeah, Will Levis. So he, I don't know. Did, did you think they might they might pull the trigger on a quarterback at that point? I was nervous the whole time. Yes, and I thought I, I was terrified when he when he made it into the second round. Yeah, I was like, if he falls to the Packers, they're taking him. Like if he's there, if he's there at forty two, like he's a Packer. I, I, I was like, please God, no! Like I don't want because it 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 matches the whole like. Abraham Lincoln, JFK comparisons between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love yeah. are are being too accurate, too on the nose. And the fact that there was a possibility of a of a Brian Braun situation, I did not want to happen. Yep. Um, they ended up taking the not the tight end that I wanted at that pick, but, Same, but at least at least it wasn't it wasn't Levis. So yeah, I thought they were going to do it. Um, I, I thought they were they needed a quarterback, a backup. They were going to try and get one. And what they did, they drafted one later. And, they, and I thought if they had a, the chance for a high upside backup in case Love failed, they would do it. So I'm surprised a little bit they didn't. But I'm glad because I don't <laughs> like Levis as a prospect. He is. Do you know who uh, Levis's closest um, prospect is in mock draftable? Well, he didn't, didn't he not run? I thought we didn't have athletic profile for Will, Will Levis. Uh, Will Levis is like an 87% comparison to Jordan Love. <laughs> he's very <laughs> he's very much like him production-wise, too. Um, they have, We've already got one at home. We do. We, we literally <laughs> do. Um, hey, I made that joke last year about <laughs> it's uh, a good Corey one, Lindsley. That, like, hey, can we have Corey Lindsley? We have Corey Lindsley at home because they drafted Josh Myers. Yep. Levis and now Lover. Josh Myers... Yeah. Might lose his job to Zach Tom. In college, they both threw a lot of interceptions because they have big arms and they relied on those arms to overcome bad processing. And that is what they both are. And hopefully Jordan's gotten better, but Will Levis definitely is not. <laughs> so um, I don't want another one of those guys. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm tempted to talk about Sean Clifford more, but I think we should probably start at the very top. Let's start at the top. We I, I actually do want to talk about Sean Clifford when we get there a little bit because um, I like him a little better than I thought I was going to, but let's start at the top with our Iowa buddy. Um, 13th overall, Lucas Van Ness, um, a, a backup edge rusher from Iowa. <laughs> um, so there is no case to be made against this being a bad pick. Um, I saw some people um, in the Begin article, some scouts and some other people, uh, complain that he was not a starter for Iowa. Iowa starts... Uh, seniors as a rule um, he outsnapped all the other edge rushers on the team he was in there for all the important stuff and uh, he is 
he plays like Rashawn Gary and his closest Raz comp is Preston. So um, it's uh, it's hard to complain about that. He might take a little while to develop. But I, I this is one of those guys where he's a little Darnell Washington-y in that he he looks like a sort of superhuman person on tape. Um, his arms are enormously long and he just uses that to reach around offensive linemen and drag guys down. It's crazy. It reminds me of KGB, except he's 50 pounds heavier and five inches taller. So, uh, I love that pick. That guy's going to be great. I'm so, so happy about it. Uh, basically if you took Rashawn Gary's 40 time and slapped it on top of Preston Smith's yeah. everything else at the, at the combine, that's what you get. That's it. Yeah. Um, I think his closest athletic comp is uh, 2023 smash hit slasher film Cocaine Bear. <laughs> um, he only knows how to bull rush, and he only knows how to hurt people. Also true. He does only know how to bull rush. So yeah, I, I I like him as a, I like him as a wrecker. I just, you know, with with how, but then again, like okay, it, it all comes down to it's it, it's Montgomery and Barry who are going to be coaching these people. So does it really matter who we pick? I mean, it matters still a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> It'll matter after they fire those two guys. I have a I have a crazy theory developing about the defense that I hope is true, but probably isn't. Um, which is that you know how they don't have any safeties. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, their safeties are going to literally just be all special teamers, and so they won't really be coached by Joe Barry. They'll be coached by Rich Passaccia. <laughs> oh, man, Which, dude. If, if Rich is coaching the safeties, I'm down. He kind of is, right? Because like, he likes safeties as special teamers. And so they will like, even the starters will probably spend a lot of time with Rich. I, I kind of like, like, I could see them being better than they should be just because they're trained as downhill mashers, mm-hmm. which is better than nothing, <laughs> which is what they tend to be. Think about it, though. If you If you were to make a special teamer in a lab... It would be a safety. Yeah, it would be. That's totally correct. Um, So I I get it. I also I do like multi-sport athletes, and Lucas Van Ness played hockey for the first half of his life, and exclusively, like his first love is is hockey. He played tons of hockey, and oh my goodness, I would love to see him on skates now. Like that's one (laughs) big hockey player. (laughs) Um, Have have I ever? I mean, I I've got experience with people who. Um, hockey was their their one and only love, but they went to another sport because they were better at it. Um, I went to high school with a guy who loved hockey, but he was tiny. He was like five seven. Um, I think he got up to one eighty five by the time he was a senior. But he ended up getting a full ride in college in lacrosse as a what's called a fogo uh, face off get off. <laughs> he was the he was it, it's a real position in lacrosse. You're you're a face off specialist. Um, he never lost a face-off in high school and got a full ride playing lacrosse. Um, never played hockey again at a high level, but oh. that was that's a sport he wants to play. So Van Ness, if if he started playing football because he wanted to hit people in the off season and then just ended up being better at it, like more power to you. Yep, indeed. I think the the question is less about maybe Van Ness as a prospect because it seems like it seems like people are. It seems like universally just like fine, but not overwhelmed, but, but fine. Like at worst, he'll be fine. Uh, it's it's a question of positioning because they they obviously could have had an offensive lineman right there. Uh, there there's certainly other positions. You know, they could have been a wide receiver, which you talked about. Could have done that, yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's about it's more about was that the position you wanted to address with your first round pick? Yeah, they weren't going to take the the only wide receiver there because he was tiny. Yeah, I still wish they would have. And th- uh, again, they did end up taking a tiny receiver. So it's mm-hmm. not like they ha- were 
you know, sticking hard and fast to that. But like, I, I won't quibble too much with taking an edge kind of anytime. And um, one thing we talk about in, in the old APC Slack pretty often is edge is probably the easiest position to scout correctly because it is mostly just um, athletic profile and good at a big school that works like 99% of the time. Like, I mean, it, <laughs> he, he also had good reps against a guy drafted ahead of him. Yeah, his his Ohio State reps are really good, which is so helpful. Well, I mean, it, but that's the thing. Like, like if you if if you show that you can dominate someone who literally gets drafted before you, like, I guess I don't feel too bad about yeah. it. But I mean, you you can totally quibble um, with the and you know I think we were kind of all rooting for JSN a little bit in in, mm-hmm. in real time, but you know, he's not without his warts either. Like he's got problems and for a like number one did he actually go number one overall for the receivers or did anybody go before him i forget i, I stopped caring um well, there's <laughs> we are of, so far removed from the draft there's kind <laughs> of there's a little run there because like um uh, jordan addison and zay flowers and those guys all kind of went in a row so but but whatever like um uh, this is a pretty flat receiver draft and and you just can't go wrong drafting edge guys you can never really have too much of them and you know rashawn gary's hurt and preston won't be around that much longer and and Igbari is um, promising, but you know you, you you need that to have a good defense. So this so it's fine. JSN was the first wide receiver taken, and then there were three in a row after that. So it was That's four wide thought, receivers yeah. in a row. So it was JSN, Quentin jo- Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison. Right. Which uh, Jordan Addison to the Vikings is hilarious. Um, he has the same forty time as as Luke Van Ness in ways like 60 pounds less <laughs> or 80 pounds less, I think is the, it's like a, it's a significant amount. Also same 40 time as ha ha Clinton dicks. I, I need to keep bringing that up. Oh man. I brought up so many ha ha Clinton dicks, 40 time comps during the draft. Um, <laughs> all right. We should talk about our tight ends because there are big fun monsters that we've all been wanting for a while. And this is one where like we, everybody predicted the Packers would take at least one tight end and maybe multiple. And we're often wrong about that, but not this time nailed that puppy. Um, and we all wanted, we, uh, not we all, uh, I wanted Darnell Washington. I think his upside's through the roof. Apparently there are some off the field red flags or something with him. And so it was, it turns out the, okay, the off the field red flags were a bit of a red herring. What about, um, you hear about oh, talk, talk, you can do that, but I, I heard medical stuff too with him. His knee. Okay. Um, after the combine, he had some pretty bad swelling in his knee. Um, and I think he also at one point had to have some cartilage cleaned up via surgery. Yeah. But so, he kept saying over and over again that it wasn't an issue. Like, and if it was an issue with the combine, he wouldn't have run a goddamn four six. Yeah, and also <laughs> if, if you're gonna fail, flunk a guy in medicals, you shouldn't take Luke Musgrave either. So there's that. Yeah, but we did. We took we took Luke Musgrave um, and Tucker Craft, and I think it's good to talk about them both together. They don't play the same tight end position. Luke Musgrave is much more the big receiver split. Mm-hmm. Um, tight yeah, end one's type. so. Um, for the for the uninformed listener, there are two types of tight ends generally considered in the NFL it's today. Kind of three, but refer- yeah, <laughs> I was going to say what is refer. Well, okay, so H back I don't think counts as a tight end. Like Josiah Deguar is not a tight end; he's a fullback who sometimes plays tight end. I'd call him a flex. Like that's there you go. That's usually what he's referred to as. Oh, but that's the thing. So like the F tight end, right? Like that's like your Rob Gronkowski, your, your inline blocker, inline tight end. Yeah, who's who's going to do damage out of eleven personnel play action, that kind of thing. That's what we wanted Darnell Washington for. That's um, and then the other is your Y. Your Y tight end is basically going to be a, a slot receiver. Yeah, Jimmy Travis Kelsey is a Y. Yeah, yeah. Travis yeah. Kelsey couldn't block a, a doorway. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what he's there for. 
But Musgrave is much more um, the the why the, the the receiver. Tucker Craft is actually often described as the hybrid, but he's more of an inline. He's he's a big monster guy. Uh, they're both of their closest Raz comparisons are Travis Kelsey. <laughs> um, and I did. This is a very athletic tight end class, so I did double check to see if anybody else's closest comps were Travis Kelsey, and they're not. Um, even even the guy, uh, the crappy guy who got a ten, um, Koontz, I think got a ten. Uh, he played for Old Dominion. He's one of the, oh yeah. He doesn't know how to play football, but he's very athletic. Um, D- yeah, the, I, I kept calling him Dean Koontz. <laughs> <laughs> the only other tight end with a good uh, top comp was actually Sam Laporta, who's George Kittle is his first. Um, everybody else has some kind of losery guy as their top comp, but uh, that's the kind of athlete that you're getting with both of these guys. Um, Musgrave was hurt for most of this year. He dominated two games early. He is definitely a big play threat. Um, I do have some problems with him. Um, as I, I watched some of his tape early, but then I kind of didn't think we'd take him because he can't block, and LaFleur guys usually can. Um, so I did, after we drafted him, I looked at him again. He he. He does not do yak well. Um, he falls down when he's touched, and he always looks like he's a little unbalanced running. He, like he reminds me of a guy who like just went through a growth spurt, and he's <laughs> he's 22, so probably not. But he like literally looks like he's falling down when he's running all the time. So I mean, you ever seen Travis Kelsey run? He doesn't look much different. You know, yeah, except he doesn't go down at the drop of a hat. He, right, he, he does. That's but, <laughs> um, okay. So it's funny. I you you brought up athletic comps. I, I brought up Darnell Washington's mock draftable just to pull up the comparisons. Yep, his tight end comparisons aren't super great, but when you look at the athlete comparisons, he mostly compares to uh, defensive line. I was gonna say <laughs> probably defensive lineman. That's what he shaped. Uh, so you got to. His actually number one comp is Tyree Jackson. Yeah, I can see that. That sounds quarterback right. out of Buffalo, who was just a that <laughs> dude was a tank. He was a tank. Um, Jerry Tillery, Janarius Robinson, Greg Rousseau. I don't know who any of those people are. Um, Trayvon Walker. <laughs> I, I know who he is. Um, but then when you when you look at his tight end comparisons, it's Logan Thomas and Gronk. Those are his two highest. So okay, that's good. And uh, Tucker Craft, I think everybody will like instantly for one thing he's named after cheese or fake cheese which is helpful he tweeted about culvers he tweeted he tweeted about culvers did you guys see that yes yes i did i loved it it was great he get, getting into it <laughs> you early know, do you know tucker craft's number two tight end comparison no is the other gronkowski oh uh there's there's three of them is it oh sorry the, the other tight end dan dan gronkowski okay so, uh, and then also Luke Musgrave is in there as well in the top. Well, they're very similar. That's not surprising. Um, That's funny. But Kraft is the opposite of Musgrave in that. Um, so Musgrave actually has sort of this, the college statistics of a deep threat. Like he averaged uh, 15 yards per catch in his very short final year, 13.5 overall. Usually tight ends aren't good unless they average at least 13.5 yards per catch in college. Uh, that is very consistent throughout time. Tucker Craft didn't, uh, but Tucker Craft was definitely, uh, he played a division down and was definitely the best player on his team by far, and they ran their offense through him completely. And the, their offense was throw it to Tucker Craft and have him bully people and knock them over, which he did okay, also, over and say, over and over again. The the division down thing is is a bit of a misnomer when you are a Dakota school. The okay. Dakota schools are are different. They are they are good quality talent playing against children. Yeah, but he also went to the lesser Dakota, not not the South good. Dakota State is almost as good. NDSU as NDSU is State. better. NDSU is better, but like South Dakota State is, it's almost there. 
and all the other play, teams they play against aren't as good. So that also That's matters. Fair. So, um, ah, JR having internet problems is going to go try to fix them, but uh, not we'll, so urban. Wawatosa. Talk to you later. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> ah, poor JR. Um, but like his tape is fun because he looks like just a guy who does not go down, and his yak numbers are excellent. Um, in the Lafleur offense, in particular, um, yak is supposed to be a big part of it, and it has been one of the problems with Packer personnel over the last few years. Um, even Devante, who is good at generating a free release, is only sort of a medium yak guy. And Amari Rogers was supposed to be a big yak guy, and he sucks. Um, and uh, Robert Tanyan is the worst yak tight end in football, and even in his good season, that was true. Um, a right, lot because of... Bob Bob was just um athletic Richard Rogers. He pretty much was. That's about right. Um, but now they should actually have some real actual yak generators on the team and, and craft being, I think primary among them. I think he'll step in right away and actually uh, draw quite a few targets immediately. I could see Musgrave taking a while to get going. I, I think he'll actually be legitimately a developmental project. I'll bet crafts in there from day one catching you know the mercedes passes much more effectively and quite a few more of them that's my guess yeah. anyway did you um did you see what nate tice was saying about south dakota state uh no i did not so he was he was talking he, he was looking into the tight ends in the draft and then he said he went down a big rabbit hole of south dakota state's offense okay and he he put up this big thread about like exactly what you're talking about running the offense through craft and I'm not gonna lie; it looks a lot like the stuff that Lafleur does. It does. It, I think it's very similar. I agree with that. Um, that when I watched Kraft tape, it was very much like watching Kittle play in San Francisco. Like, um, you know, get him with a little bit of separation in front of the defense and pick up five yards of yak every time. And you know, Jimmy Garoppolo can complete those passes very easily. <laughs> it's a good way but to do things. The elephant in the room is where Kraft was taken. Oh, <laughs> ah. Boo. No, it, it don't not nah, boo me because everyone said that Ryan was going to break the curse. It's going to be broken this time. This one's going to work. Right. <laughs> the third all round right. curse. Um, first of all, the third, uh, the third round curse. The Packers have not had a good third round pick in what ten years. 11. The last good third round pick was Richard Rogers. What? <laughs> See, that's the, la- not... <laughs> the, the, the last, the, the last, I would say, successful third round pick was Richard Rogers. Prior okay. to that, you had Morgan Burnett, and then prior to that, you had um, Jermichael Finley. Yeah, and I think it's worth keeping in mind, the third round is tough for every team because you just kind of start to run out of the elite talent on your board. You run into the guys who you've scouted um, that you think are good and worth taking, but that everybody else has seen problems in. Uh, there's a selection bias problem there. Um it is not just the Packers who struggle in the third round. There's a drop-off to the third round, and there are still expectations that come with the third round because it still seems high. Um, And we shouldn't just hold it against picks that the Packers have sucked at it for a while, uh, especially when um, you actually show some talent. Like, when they drafted Amari Rodgers, we all didn't like that pick and didn't understand (laughs) why they made it. Um, it, it didn't make sense. He wasn't a good athlete. He wasn't particularly productive in college, etc. This one is different. And yes, there are some knocks on Kraft, small school being primary among them, but he uh, showed good hands. He showed physical presence. He'll be fine. He also doesn't need a lot of polish to get open. Like, he's not that kind of receiver. So, also helps. Right. 
All right, we should talk about Jaden Reed because we should. We don't have Tyler, and uh, Tyler's Jay- been on. Man, Jaden Reed, that's a that's a controversial pick, isn't it? Yep, and this is a good like distinct. Let's distinguish ourselves from the Tyler podcasts because um, it, it, Tyler's been on with Justice a zillion times. Uh, Jaden Reed was one of his guys. Tyler will pound the table for him all day, and this will be uh, since since this is one of my things. Um, I I did not like that pick. I got yelled at by Twitter a lot for it because there were a bunch of Michigan State name searchers and. Michigan State people getting mad at you on Twitter is one of the most miserable things that can happen to you. Just well, the also the problem is, is you got you got retweeted by Bukowski, and no one's followers hate them more than Bukowski's followers. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, so he sent an angry mob at. It's you. not good, but but let's let's be fair to Jaden Reed. So first of all, I should talk about why I don't like him, and we'll we'll go from there. So in terms of my raps scores that I give all receivers, which it combines your athletic profile and your production. Jaden Reed was the fourth worst of the eligible receivers in this class who had a Raz uh, and played enough snaps to actually warrant that. The reason for that is a Jaden Reed was not good in college this year. Um, he had a very low completion or uh, catch percentage did not do a lot of damage with the catches he did get. And he didn't test that well. Um, he was fast. He ran very fast at the combine but he did not run a three cone. His shuttle was only mediocre and his explosion was only mediocre as well. Um, he was down in weight a little bit. He purportedly plays at about 195. And I think he came in at 184 in the combine. And then like there were crap after that. Like, oh, he's up to 191 now. I don't care about that because what you run at the, the combine, you run at that weight. And, you know, you just don't stay the same speed when you add weight back. Sometimes you do, but not always. Tell you there something. are a few people who do, but, like, that's the thing is we don't – his film doesn't really reflect the 40 time he put up at the combine. Not really. Um, I, I, I do think he's fast, but there are sure, some but... problems there too, um, in, in, <sighs> in my opinion. So, okay, can we look at the flip side of it, like why people say that the analytics are wrong? Yeah, totally. There's and that, and that he, was a, he was a 50-50 guy. He was uh, childhood friends with the quarterback who would just, like, huck it up to him in every situation. Yeah, we should talk a little bit about that. So Michigan State's quarterback uh, for his entire tenure was Peyton Thorne, who uh, went to middle school with Jaden Reed, where he was his quarterback, went to high school with him, where he was his quarterback, um, they had some junior college shenanigans, but eventually they ended up in Michigan State together. And this is very much a he is my security blanket scenario mm-hmm. for Jaden Reed and Peyton Thorne. And Peyton Thorne is not a good quarterback. Well, let's <laughs> get that out there up front. He is not he's not super atrocious. He's not like the word this is not an Iowa situation. He's not Spencer yeah, Petrus. This ain't this ain't Sam Laporta we're we're scouting here. Right. Um but he is a lower tier quarterback for sure. Um so that does hurt a receiver's production um 100 michigan state also by um, sp plus the advanced analytic played the hardest slate of defenses of any team in college football last year um the big 10 was quite good at defense iowa being a primary driver of that ohio state as well um and so it was not easy going for them however all of that said um peyton thorne's been his quarterback the whole time and in 2021 Jaden Reed had a good season. I would say not great. Um, it, he still was a little low in terms of catch percentage um, and not quite dynamic enough to make up for it down the field. Uh, for a small guy, he played outside a lot. He played outside about 85% of the time both seasons. Um, but it's also not good to see a huge drop-off 
from 2021 to 2022 without a really good reason for it. And it's hard to find a really good reason for it. Michigan State lost some good skill position players um, over that. So you would expect his his uh, volume to go up. Y- yes, you'd expect his volume to go up. Uh, that's Kenneth Walker and Jalen Naylor, who both play in the NFL now. Um, and you would expect him to turn into kind of a volume monster. That's kind of what I think the Packers envision him as, as, as a slot, easy target, um, high volume receiver. And he didn't do well in that role, uh, at least in 2022. So um, that's also part of my concern with him. Uh, he, he has some route running foibles as well. He, he looks good sometimes. Like, and he, he there's a few advanced stat guys out there who will swear up and down that he has almost like a Devante-like release off the line. Uh, I, I see too many stutter steps out of him. Like he gets, he gets stationary and takes a few and takes a while to get out of that. Um, and he playing outside, I do think was bad for him. Like he's a small guy and he was called upon to basically be Michigan state's deep threat when it's, he's fast, but small deep threats are, uh, they can be tricky and they're not mm-hmm. always efficient. So, um, don't care for that. But in, in the pros, he's probably going to play, he's probably going to go inside and that that's a little bit of uncharted territory for him. So if that helps him draw in a few more balls because he's not catching over the shoulder stuff all the time. And he can actually make some use of speed in space. Maybe. Sure. Maybe he got something there. It's possible. Um, did you run his numbers if as if 2022 didn't happen? I did. Um, if you take his 2021 numbers, he's still not that good. So uh, just his his wraps that year was 9-11. Not over 900 is like, it's okay. But it's still like, he was like 36th overall um, mm. in 2021. And with that Raz, it's still like 15 is like, nah, it's, it's in the middle of a bunch of other guys who are i could take or leave so um rashi rice went right after him um he apparently did not interview well and fell down boards <laughs> for that reason but he's super uh like his uh, his closest comp um in a lot of metrics is actually brendan Ayuk, who is a guy i've been wanting for a while <laughs> um so i would have rather had that M- maybe off the field stuff makes it worthwhile um but he, the other thing i'll say with Jaden reed though is because of kind of what he's going to play and where he was drafted, not the third, but close-ish, um, I, I have seen a couple of Amari Rogers comps thrown on him, and that's not the case. Okay, <laughs> he is well, a very, very, very different receiver than Amari Rogers. He, there are some physical attributes where he excels, like straight line speed, whereas Amari didn't really have any of those. So uh, I think you can, with some creativity, you can get some stuff out of Jaden Reed. Uh, the other thing is he is a special teams player. Um, he's a punt returner. By all accounts, a good one, and the Packers don't have one right now, so that brings instant value as well. In addition to anything, it brings receiving. So I also recall hearing that he was a willing blocker. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's actually pretty physical. Um, this is both a good and a bad thing, but um, he had a lot of contested catch opportunities at Michigan State, mm-hmm. and that can, you know, he was actually for a small guy pretty good at it. A lot of his highlights are him mossing people. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that's going to work at the next level. Um, and I'm not sure it's, it's not always a bad thing when you are a contested catch artist, but I think if you are on the smallish side with kind of short arms, it is a bad thing. And so he should not do that as much. (laughs) Does he have T-Rex arms? I didn't look at his arm. They're, they're kind of T-Rexy. Yes. Uh, Mm. it, uh, I actually, this is one where I saw him like not getting targets, not drops, but just like Peyton Thorne throws that I think a slightly bigger guy would have gotten their hands on. And it made me go check his arm length, and it 
he did, did in fact have short arms. So he's he's like Ty Summers, the wide receiver. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay, so speaking of being bad at the run game, Ty Summers. <laughs> let's talk about Colby Wood. Colby Wooden. Um, I don't have that many opinions on him. Do you? I just have. I, I, I have an. I just have a generally negative opinion. Yeah. Same. Nothing about him entices me. Um, I can't believe that they took him in the fourth. Like if it, that's a guy that if you take in the seventh, I'm like, sure, whatever. Yeah, same. But he, but he like no. he doesn't fill a need, and he's not a good projection guy. Like mm-hmm. I kind of think what you see is what you get here with him, and he can't stop the run. Um, he maybe brings some pass rushing to the interior line, but like this is one of those we have Colby Wooden at home, and they're all better than he is already. Um, you did not need this at all. Like if you were looking to replace Dean Lowry. Don't do that. <laughs> do something else. No, see, I, I, he he at glance appears to compare well athletically to Dean Lowry. I think that's fair. Yes, but Which, um, eh. all scouting reports are that that his run his run anchor is real bad, and the Packers have nobody with any run anchor other than Wyatt. Kind of. <laughs> Sorry, I just went to his mock draftable comps. Um. When you do athlete instead of edge, uh-huh. he has a 99% comparison. Oh, that's very high. Who is it? It is a former Packer. Jeez. Oh, I'm not I'm, I'm, nothing. I'm not looking it up. Who is it? Andrew Corliss. Andrew Corliss? His number one athletic comparison on Mock Draftable is Andrew Corliss. I never would have ever guessed that. Which, yeah, they're... Corliss had a better bench press, but in terms of like height, weight, arm length, all that, they're stupid similar. Yeah. Well, all right. Andrew Corliss. Let's go on to Sean Clifford because I, I hate this pick so much, dude. I used to hate like, it. I don't hate it as much anymore. I still hate it. I still hate you. They drafted. Look, at, I made so many Hendon Hooker jokes. So many Hendon Hooker jokes. And then they went out and drafted someone older than Hendon Hooker. So they did, but they it was so late. Like the problem with Hendon Hooker was always when he was going to be drafted. Not uh, if, if Hendon Hooker in the fifth is fine. Like that's a totally fine pick. Um, and Sean Clifford is not being picked to play at all. He is being picked to be a veteran backup, which is a weird thing to draft, but it is definitely what they drafted. <laughs> he is uh, so all the scouting reports on him are that he's very smart. He like does a lot of like smart businessy things on the side. Uh, that he is a very adept like st- strategy guy. Uh, he older older helps I think a little bit here because uh, with Jordan Love, who is not young anymore, but um, you would ideally I think want a veteran older. Um, you know, clipboard holder with some gravitas, like an actual coach on the sideline. Clifford's not that exactly, but he's not, you know, a 21-year-old who's got a backup Jordan Love. He's like kind of his contemporary and his peer, and I think has a good mind for like the kind of small stuff quarterbacking-wise. He also wasn't as bad as I thought. Uh, he, he was not mentioned on any board. So, you know, I didn't I didn't do any work on Sean Clifford because he wasn't on any mock drafts. Was he even invited to the combine? I have no idea. I don't think so. I don't. I, didn't, I, didn't I don't believe there. he like, was. I, I watched part of the quarterback drills and like I saw like that Bajent guy there, but I didn't. Don't remember seeing Sean Clifford. He might have been. Um, but Sean Clifford's not like hopeless. Uh, he was nine percent better than average this year, and I think it's worth keeping in mind that Penn State actually lost Jahan Dotson from last year to this year. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure he played with worse receivers. I'm very sure he played a harder schedule and improved doing it. That's not nothing. Uh, he is a nine Raz guy, and uh, he's not tiny. He's not like a huge guy, but he's like 6'2 and like 212, which is a fine quarterback size to be. Um, and really, his scouting reports are just slow processor, which I'm sure is true. I have no reason to doubt it. Not something you can really fix. Um, but a smart guy with some athleticism who improved over time and can serve as a coach and you don't have to pay veteran backup money. I, I think he signed for like a, uh, f- like 4 million bucks for the cup four years or something like, I don't remember. Something like something that. Like yeah, that. Standard um, fifth round. I think that's probably fine. Like as long as your expectations are that Sean Clifford's not the heir apparent, which nobody has that expectation. This is fine. A totally fine pick. They needed to get somebody. Anybody else was going to be more expensive. And a lot of the preferable options were gone already. The only guy that I really wanted other than him was um, was Jaron Hall. And I kind of get why they went this direction because I do think they just want a guy to be, be a coach. So Yeah, and, okay and the general consensus is there was a run on quarterbacks at the time and Gutekunz went after a guy who he, he knew he wanted. Yeah. And um, I should I, say, uh, all that Clifford praise, Clifford was garbage in 2021. He was 7% worse than average, one of the worst quarterbacks in football. But getting better is good. You know, improvement is good. He got, he got better with worse surrounding talent in a harder schedule? Yeah. Eh, that's fair. Right. Okay. You heard it here first. I just came up with a great nickname. Ready for this? Sure. Sean Clipboard. Oh, it's very good. I can't right? believe it. Uh, right? We should check Twitter to see if anybody has said that yet. <laughs> Sean Clipboard. Yeah, okay. Sean Clipboard it is from here on out. There we go. Ah. So, Dontavian. I love Dontavian Wicks. This is, I think, my favorite pick of the draft. Um, go on. As much as I didn't like the Reed pick, I like the Dontavian pick. So, um, Dontavian Wicks was legitimately terrible in 2022. One of the worst receivers in college football. Um, but when you look into why that happened, and you know, I, I know I just did this with with Reed, and I was not charitable about it. Um, but with Reed, I think Reed suffered from not having better talent around him, from getting thrust into the alpha role without help. Dontavian Wicks is different. Um, uh, they uh, they kept all of the same talent from 2021 to 2022. There were two things that happened. One, their coaching changed. Uh, uh, their coach changed from Bronco Mendenhall, who's a good coach to a guy whose name I have forgotten. I think there's an Elliot in there somewhere who is trash. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm trying frantically to pull up his school. He's Virginia, right? I'm, I'm remembering this right? I think um, so. Okay, we're going to go with that while we look it up. Um, Virginia experienced a, a shooting as well. Yes, Virginia, yes. And um, several of his teammates were victim in that. So um, those both of those things are bad. Like getting... If you have a good, an average to good coach, um, your talent will be allowed to shine, kind of no matter what. But if you have a, a train wreck of a coach, um, it really does impede your ability to show off a lot of the time. You're not going to be running as effective routes. You're not going to be getting open as much. Um, you're going to not have screens and play action and things that spring you as much. Um, and so... Every single offensive player on that team, uh, and remember, they returned like everybody, got worse. And so it's not like you could just say, well, Dontavian Wicks was great and then got bad. He's not the cause. The cause is very clearly the coaching because it happened to every single person on the offense. Uh, in 2021, 
Dontavian Wicks was legitimately one of the best receivers in all of college football. Um, he was, I think, fifth in Rops. I'm trying to frantically pull up. He, um, he was sixth. Here are the people that were ahead of him in 2021. It's Marvin Mims, Tyrese Chambers, who went to Florida International and played no competition and uh, averaged like 25 yards a catch. Jackson Smith, Christian Watson, Jamison Williams. Then it's Dontavian Wicks. He's next. Uh, his the line he put up was 360-696-1056. Basically, that means he was a deep threat who caught almost everything that was thrown to him. Nice. Um, yes, uh, he was absolutely outstanding. He had 57 catches, so the sample size is not huge, but pretty good. Um, and his RAS is good. It's weird, but it's good. He has 9.17. <laughs> um, he's very fast for the first five steps he takes, apparently, and then he slows down. <laughs> yeah, he's got a, he's got a scream in 10-yard split. Scream in 10-yard split. Um, um but, do you know who he compares to on mock draftable? No, who? So if you look at his wide receiver splits, it's kind of weird. It's a bunch of guys you've never heard of, and then Brandon Ayuk is number four. Oh, okay. Um, but if you look at his athlete comparison, which allows all yeah. positions, his number two is a wide receiver, and it is second round pick Jonathan Mingo. Oh, really? It's Mingo. Yes. Okay. He compares athletically to Jonathan Mingo. Well, that's kind of fun. Uh, also a, a great Raz there. Um but Dontavian Wick's big problem this year, and the thing that sticks out about his his production, uh, his uh, I, I do my OBP sort two forty seven. Anything under three hundred is atrocious. Anything under two fifty is I've never seen that before. Um, basically, <laughs> their quarterback was not able to get him the ball. And now he there is one legit criticism of him, which is that he did have quite a few concentration drops. Uh, concentration drops are not great, but they're one of the most fixable things. He was asked about it during interviews uh, around the draft and afterwards, and basically said that having to learn an entirely new offense from what he was used to uh, had him thinking a lot during his routes and uh, have, thinking about whether he was running them correctly, whether he was making the right reads, and that just led to a lot more drops than normal because he's out of his rhythm. And I think that's a completely legitimate thing given all of the other things that he went through. So uh, I think had he come out last year with that Raz, he goes much, much, much higher. Um, he was just a super efficient player and uh, just crashed down to earth with a garbage staff at Virginia. And so I think they have a steal with him. I, I think he is a much, much higher talent. Love that pick a ton. Yay. Now let's move on to the the people that no one prior to the draft had ever heard of. Yeah, we can go pretty quick through these because, well, I only know about one of them with any depth at all. (laughs) And and, uh, I I certainly don't want to talk about Anders Carlson very long. But um, Okay, there's actually I do want to talk about Anders Carlson. Oh, okay, we'll get there. Let's do Carl Brooks first, though. Um, Okay. Okay, I'll start. Positive on Carl Brooks is he had a very high pressure rate. And uh, that is the kind of thing that led them to draft J.J. Enigbari last year. Uh, not a great athlete, but did generate a lot of pressure. That stat does seem to translate. Um, however, uh, Brooks played in the MAC, and uh, the MAC is very bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Just want to stress, the, the very is so bad. bad. The mag is so bad you spelled his name wrong in the run. I did. It's a K, and I put a C, and I know I'm staring at it right now, and I know it's wrong. Um, but it is easier to generate pressure uh, against teams that pass sixty times a game and don't have good offensive lines, and yes. that is the Mac in a nutshell. So um, he's a project. I don't. I, he's, these are all late picks. I don't expect much from him. But eh, why not? You know, we're we're at that part of the draft. So let's do. I en- mean, he's 
he's a Chipotle burrito away from 300 pounds and he ran a five flat. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. But let's talk about Anders Carlson since you have something to talk about. Okay. So, first of all, anytime I see that name, I think it's Anders, like the guy from uh, uh, work. God damn it. What's the name of it? Anders Holmvik is the name of the character. Anyway, no idea. Uh, um, he was. He was drafted because the Packers have a problem with nepotism. Oh, he's a nepotism pick. Okay. Um, you might have heard of his brother. Well, I know Daniel, Daniel Carlson. Yeah. Daniel Carlson, who's a very good place kicker. Yeah. Um, that's why Anders was picked. Okay. That's because he has. A that's all I want. Okay. A good kicker. So Anders is born and raised in the city in which I live. Um, and played for the classical academy, which is a, a hoity-toity high school. Okay. Um. But yeah, he's a, he's a he's a nepotism pick. They picked him because he's he's genetically similar to a good a good kicker. Okay, he was hurt, but also how hurt can a kicker really be? <laughs> didn't he have a pretty didn't, didn't he have a torn ACL? Was that what it is? Yeah. Was it his plant leg? Uh, if only I cared. Um, I thought uh, it was his kicking. <laughs> which, I, yeah, I thought he was actually hurt fairly seriously. Yeah, um, whatever. He's a kicker. Who gives him? Yeah. Moving on. But, you know, I just wanted to say the word Anders and talk about his brother. Fair enough. All right. Should we talk about Carrington Valentine for two seconds? Um, I like the name. Yeah, it's a good name. Specifically because we now have Romeo, Love, and Valentine all on the same team. That's pretty good, actually. Um, He's a... he's a What's the coach term? Junkyard dog? Junkyard dog. Yeah, that's him. Yep. He's very aggressive and actually a pretty good athlete, too. Um. But, uh, you know, raw guys, we'll see. Um, but, you know, good talent for late. That's fine. Lou, I'll, I want to talk. Lou Nichols is fun. Um, I'd never heard of him before the draft. Uh, <laughs> I still haven't even looked at his statistics. But uh, his highlights are super fun. Uh, I saw him described, this is not nice, but as fit Eddie Lacy, which is just Eddie Lacy for part of his career. But that's, like, he's kind of shaped like that. Like, uh, you know. So he, he I, I referred to him um, during the draft as directional Michigan Eddie Lacy. That's good. I like that. Let's go with that. Um, so for those who don't know, in the world of NFL, you can kind of just lump all of the uh, not northern Michigan because that's that's not a real football school, even though people I think most people drafted. know the central and eastern. Direction central, eastern and western are all basically one school. Yeah. Um, unless you're Greg Jennings, then western's a real school. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so he's he's um kind of the same size as Mark Ingram but runs more like Eddie Lacy. Yeah, I think that's a, a good comp too. Fair. And running backs are one of the more likely positions to make the team or at least the practice squad from the deep part of the draft. I think you'll probably see him around. He's fun. I will be rooting for him to get in games, not for injury, but for for funsies. Yeah, I think I think having a um What's the word I'm looking for? A compact power back. A Dewan Harris will be fun. <laughs> All right. Anthony Johnson Jr., everybody basically seemed to think was a good dude. Yeah, um, AJJ also, they like he's a roster lock according to every single person well, on we, Twitter. We ha- he's a safety, right? And mm-hmm. we, we have no safeties. So But also he's good. Why sure. the hell did he fall? Like he's way better. Isn't he not a good athlete? I thought he was not a good athlete. He's a mediocre athlete with great film. Uh, I think it's just the athlete thing that had him falling. Oh, okay. But, I I mean, mean, uh, usually good character guys 
get a pass. It is weird he didn't. You're right about that. Um, but I can't think of another blemish on his record. There's good tape of him like crushing people. Um, he has good tackling tape. Um, so I I get that, but I I do think it's just you know um, athlete He's bias. Slow. That's it. Oh my god, he ran a f- yeah. He ran okay. Here's the thing I don't get about Ras. Right, the difference that five hundredths makes on your Ras is, is crazy. Are we looking at the right person? Oh no, I'm looking at Virginia Anthony Johnson. Yeah, Anthony Johnson Jr. Iowa State. That's who we're looking at. Gosh, right? he's fast. Darn it. He right. He right. He is. Yeah. Okay. Elite. I was looking at the other um, one. So he's he's not a, he's not a bad athlete. He's a he's good athlete. Tiny. Yeah, he's just tiny. Okay, maybe it's just the tiny. Why? So he's he's. He's tiny. He has good film. He has great leadership. Why did he last as long as he did? See, now I, we, we need Tyler for that question. I have no idea. He should have gone higher. Um, Don't. Oh, Iowa State, maybe. Maybe that's. I guess, but <laughs> whatever. Okay. If you, anyway, if we'll you get, were we'll... good at something and you go to Iowa State, you're a wrestler. Al Lazard. He was there. Al Lazard is a wrestler who plays football. Okay, fair. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, he. For for people listening, everybody likes Anthony Johnson Jr. a lot. All all of the scouting reports on him are uh, great leader, um, dog on the field, uh, etc., and also a good athlete with good tape. So maybe they got something here. Um, I agree. Weird that he. I'm bothered by this now, and I'm going to look into it more because so many of the safeties who went higher like weren't good athletes. Uh, and didn't always have good tape. There was a lot of smalls. There was a lot of like five one five. A bunch of them are just like haha. Um, he seems way better than all of them. I'm very happy with that pick now. Actually, um, maybe, <laughs> maybe it won't work. But all right. Last but not least, uh, we have Grant Dubose, um, and also a fun player. Um, and for getting, for being in the deep seventh, a pretty good pick. Um, it not a great Raz, but not terrible at all. And this is one where. Uh, if you watch Grant Dubose play, he just looks like a pro receiver out on the field. He mm-hmm. it, he played for a small. Uh, he's Chattanooga, is that right? Charlotte, Charlotte, yes. Charlotte. It's Charlotte, right? Not Chattanooga. That's not a real place. He's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just I keep saying that he's this, from Montgomery, Alabama. This is how my brain like, works. A ch school is what he went to. Idiot. Um, come on. He played college football <laughs> at Miles and Charlotte. So Miles uh, and Charlotte. Okay. My, he's a good story. So he, he committed to Miles, which then folded during COVID. So his school went out of business. His school <laughs> his, went out of business. His school went out of business. And uh, he, like every story of Grant Dubose is like, works his butt off, gets to like the next level, and then it just falls apart for reasons that aren't his fault. And he manages to find somebody and transfer and, and play really well and do it again and again and again. Um, he was a great possession receiver. He is not built like a tank, but he runs like one. Uh, he has very good hands and uh, was a star for Charlotte, not the greatest conference, um, but a like good volume possession receiver for his whole career, for two two solid years of good sample size. Um, getting You don't, usually don't get guys like him in the seventh. Usually mm-hmm. there are more warts on your seventh-round receivers. They're usually really tiny or they're horrible athletes or you know they were just like deep threats that you're taking a chance on. Usually don't get this level of volume with this level of like catch percentage and mm-hmm. a goodish athlete. Not great, but good. So he had a he had a doo doo shuttle and an okay three cone. Yes, um, which I, I think it's not fair because he's was he six two? Yeah, he's six two and he ran a, a six eight nine three cone, which is totally fine for me. Um, 
the uh yeah I, I he looks like a pro his he shows out like I, I don't know I, I don't get once again another like why is he lasting yeah. so long and, and um, um he was mocked to the Packers fairly frequently um uh, well hey, did you see Zach Cruz totally call his shot he did he did and was correct exactly correct yeah. Uh, and the three cone screams Packer, and size is good. Um, he's also a willing blocker, which will you know get you a lot of looks. Um, it, this is uh, I'll, I'll give you my ridiculous Grant Dubose comparison. Um, and he has smaller hands and shorter arms, but if you stack his Raz up and you stack his stats up against Jordy Nelson's, they're very, very, very similar. They, they just are. Um, okay, but I think at this point we've established that Jordy Nelson's forty is inaccurate. Yeah, that is true. Uh, he is faster than he 40 that at the combine. So that he's probably faster than Grant. But the charts are what they are. Um just looking at uh some surprising comparisons athletically to Grant Dubois. Okay, I keep wanting to call him Dubois. Like so like, There's not a, there's keeps... not an I there though. So I don't care. That's what slips out. <laughs> um he compares very well athletically to Jalen Collins. All right. The cornerback? Like, sure, why not? Why not? Um, and then in terms of wide receivers, it's a bunch of guys you've never heard of. Clayton Toon compares athletically to Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon's weird. What what a weird player that guy is. <laughs> Bizarre. Oh, uh, here we go. Uh ninety five point one percent D'Angelo Yancey. Oh God, no. Man, I was no, so okay. Okay, I was so high on D'Angelo Yancey. Yancey. <laughs> D'Angelo Yancey was a bad wide receiver who had a very interesting athletic comparison. D'Angelo Yancey had a like a, a shot-for-shot combine to James Jones, but weighed 20 pounds more. Yeah, yeah, he did. So being athletically compared to D'Angelo Yancey is not a bad thing. Okay, fair enough. Checks out. Who who also, he went on to do really well in one of the spring leagues. Yep. Dubose, last thing, and then we'll move on to questions. Um, I also keep track of who kind of shoots up the board late when I do all of my stuff. And he was a late riser. Uh, he was barely on the consensus board at all. Okay, I was like, how do you call a seventh round pick a late riser? Well, he was cons- uh, uh, he was consensus at two seventy one for the longest time, and then right before the draft, he shot up to two thirty seven, which is still bad, but a significant move. Like that's a guy who's got a bunch of people's attention late um, yeah. as a good flyer to take a chance on. Okay, okay, that's all. I'll take it. I'll take it. All I- right. It's a, it's a draft I'm not mad at. I'm happy with it. I think they did a really nice job on this draft. Um, I, I'm ha- like I said, I quibble with some guys, but um, you know I, the positions, the tradebacks, all of that's good process. And um, I, I actually didn't mention one thing during Jaden Reed, which I should have, um, which is a positive for him. And um, PFF did a, a bunch. What the good guys at PFF who have oh, some of them since left. Um, <laughs> did a whole bunch of research on second round receivers and found that uh, high rises actually are inversely related to success on second round receivers and um, positing that there's a lot of selection bias in the high rise guys that are left in the second round. If you are a good athlete and a talented scout receiver, you tend to go first, you're gone. So all the high rise guys left in the second are uh, flawed in some way. And, you know, everybody's flawed after the first round, but there are also the guys who scout well um, that don't have as good of razes in the second round, and those guys actually tend to work out better. It's a little bit harder to pick those out for 
Um, if you're a lazy team, it's easy to fall back on just athleticism. If you're Ted Thompson, you know, when you're doing sort of the soft scouting, you can find those guys there as the Packers have multiple times. I was going to say of the of the Packers second round receivers, who has the highest RAS? Um, Jennings, probably. Probably Jennings. He was a he was a very high RAS. But there's not there's a lot of lower RAS guys who turned out really really well in the second round. Jordy Nelson, uh, Devontae Adams did not have a super great RAS. I think he was like a seven. Oh, yo, Randall Cobb's RAS was awful. Randall Cobb's RAS is ass. Uh, It's like three. Nobody ever bring up Randall Cobb's Randall Cobb's RAS doesn't prove anything, and nobody should ever show it to me again. (laughs) Like, was he was he hurt? Uh, I don't know what I don't know what his deal was. Honestly, it, it uh, he's you know he's not a great athlete. He's just a good like separation generator really quickly. Well, that's what's funny is, is like every every uh, scouting profile on a white slot receiver is exactly what Randall Cobb yeah, is. It is, yeah, quicker than fast, smart, shifty, all like all the Wes Welker crap. Yes, exactly. But like you shouldn't draft guys based on similarities to Randall Cobb. You're going to be wrong most of the time. Please God, no, yeah. don't. Ra- <laughs> you need, on his on his soft skills, absolutely, but on his athleticism, absolutely not. Uh, but this may make Jaden Reed better process than I give it credit for because I do aggregate athleticism in there, and he like like he's one of Tyler's guys, and you know he is uh, very well loved by scouts for his release and for his soft skills, and so this may be a scenario where. There is some wisdom to downplaying that RAS score. So I so, just wanted to mention that, too, before we got off here. Th- th- I mean, this is also a good time to bring up the fact that uh, raps and rops are living stats that may or may not be tweaked in the future based on. Yeah, but, I mean, fundamentally, they just tell you, are you a good athlete and were you good in college? That's it. Uh, I think we will tweak the are you good in college part because I think I can actually do a few more adjustments for defense-faced and quarterback in the future. Sure. Um, I, I mean, there, there's a reason that DVOA is kind of the the leading analytic is adjusting for your opponent's pretty big deal. Yep, that's true. It is. All right. Let's get to questions. questions. And yeah. we don't have JR to read them anymore, alas. Okay, I, I shall read them. All right, cool. First, as always, is Mark Podscarby. <laughs> Arr. <laughs> uh, with the first-year starter QB and Love being surrounded by a bunch of young and inexperienced weapons, what is a fair expectation for the off- offense this season? Uh, that... 16. I think I think about middle. I think I think average is a good expectation. Um uh, their offensive line should still be goodish if not great. Uh they should ha- be able to lean on a good running game and I think there's enough talent there that they can still you know the other thing is the NFC is just such ass that um that that'll probably boost them a little bit. I think 16th is about right. I think that's a good over under spot and something to shoot for. You know, we should not expect them to be like a top ten or top five offense. That's that's ridiculous. That's too much. But there's the the tools are there for average and maybe even a little better. So I think that's fair. I agree. Any disagreement? No. No. Um right. so I'm just looking up Aaron Rodgers two thousand eight. Because I remember he did pretty well volumetrically. Yep. So Rogers <laughs> Rogers threw for four thousand yards in two thousand eight with twenty eight touchdowns and thirteen interceptions. I don't think Love Eclipses that. No, I don't either. It would be it would be good if he did. <laughs> I mean, if uh, they're if, making if the playoffs, throw, if he does, yeah, I was like, if Love throws for four thousand yards this year, they're playoff bound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna say I'm gonna say uh, 16th overall offense, but with like a like one of the areas being stupid high, like obnoxiously so, like uh, play action efficiency or 
uh, second down rushing. So like one of those statistics is going to be stupid high. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Jay Google. All right. Just how good is Jaden Reed? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a lot of people like him and one person doesn't. Yeah, Cop. it's me. Uh, 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 there are guys I like better. Quite a few of them. Uh, his floor isn't bad, though. As a punt returner, he'll provide value. He's probably going to be at least a decent slot receiver, so he's fine. He Also, I was going to say, before anybody gives you crap about backpedaling pretty yeah. heavily, because you were like full on, this is an awful pick. I was. I can't I was. believe they would ever do this. This is not backpedaling. This is scientific method. You are changing your opinion based on new information. Yeah, new to, new, you're to, only, new to me. <laughs> but you're, you're only you're only lessening your opinion. You have not completely flipped. You're not totally sold. No, no. I think there are still some there are fundamental problems with, with how Jaden Reed's game worked in college in translating it to the pros. But um, I I, I kind of get the upside a little bit more. And there's upside there. But I still don't like the pick. Yes, that's correct. All right, Jay. I hope that answers it. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Ziegler. Do we think we see a per play efficiency increase this year, given how we expect Love to be playing fully in system? Yes. Well, 100%. you I, don't think so? Well, Aaron plays an inefficient game fundamentally, but pretty well. Like, he does sure. not go after the middle of the field enough for sure. Uh, he doesn't play the system like it should be played, but he's, he's it's not like he's inefficient. He's still pretty efficient. And uh, it depends if Love is like atrocious it doesn't matter if he throws to the middle of the field a bunch he's still not going to be as efficient as Aaron um but I do think they'll get a significant boost from playing the LaFleur system properly uh so, so if it's like on but, par that I, I wouldn't be surprised with at all but I'm I'm taking this as as not um the system as a whole necessarily but an increase in efficiency over last year yeah but even last year wasn't I mean their offense wasn't as good as it usually is, but sure. if they get to that level as a whole, I'll kind of be surprised. Maybe yeah. we'll see fewer smoke screens and checking into runs with yeah. small boxes. That would make me happy. They should do that. <laughs> they should play the actual Lafleur Shanahan system. That would be great. If they if that if they go if they do that, like if they are committed to uh, you know occasional bombs to Watson throwing to Kraft and other receivers um, and and getting yak from them. It can be a good offense very quickly. It's just a matter of if that's what we get. Hoping. Okay. Um, Ken Maka. Am I saying that right? Maka? Yeah, Macha. That's Maka. Former, Ken Maka former on a bike. Manager. In... <laughs> Ken Maka on a bike in Wakasha. <laughs> Waukesha, Matt. Waukesha. I'm sorry. I'm from Michigan. God damn it. <laughs> we, got, we got places like Michigami, and uh, that's that's a real city. Uh, okay. Um I already had plenty of gray hair, and Love will be the third Packers opening day starter QB in my life. Will I be completely gray by the time we see a fourth? Still, um, I'm still betting against Jordan nominally. Um, yeah, but I, even if he is good, you'll you'll probably see a fourth sooner than that would be my guess. So, um, yeah, you, I I think look in a perfect world, we'll see a third contract out of Jordan Love, but I don't think so. Yeah, same. Alas, we could Alas. be wrong. Hopefully we are. There have been, okay, let me think. Four in my <sighs> lifetime. I've had, I, I can't even do it. We had a whole bunch of garbage in the 80s. So like. Well, because for me, I've got, I've got Mikowski and then Favre. Yeah. So I've at least got one more in my lifetime. Not since my Packer fandom though. 
Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I, I late seventies. I, I can't like pre Dicky. I can't even tell you who was quarterback. So that's the other reason I can't do it. Post Dicky, I can't even tell you. The well, Randy Wright. Um, there, but there's some guys I don't know there too. That's right. the thing. So between between Dicky and Mikowski, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, who the quarterbacks are. All right, you're either a smart fella or a fart smeller. One of my, one of my favorite names on the Patreon. Uh, do you think the expected weeping, moaning, and gnashing of teeth over the Packers passing on JSN in the first round will prove at all valid, or was it more telling that he ended up not even being picked until 20 and the Packers made a better value play with Van Ness? Uh, it's a good one because usually the top one or two receivers in the draft, I feel like, are kind of, uh, you can say with a lot of confidence, they're going to be pretty good. Um, that's certainly been the case the last few years, not with Drake London, but with the Ohio State guys, um, with Justin Jefferson before that, although Jalen Rager went in front of him. And JSN was as good as the rest of his Ohio State compatriots in 2021, but he, he didn't play that much last year. He was hurt, and when he did play, he was kind of garbage. And um, it, it's not great to be garbage with Marvin Harrison Jr. playing next to you. So I think he's an imperfect prospect. He, his athletic profile is a little weird. And a lot of projection on him is based on his recruiting stats and his one good Ohio State season. So uh, I think he's going to be good. I like He's super shifty, which was reflected in his athletic testing, and that's usually good to go with his route running prowess. But if he's not good, I won't be that surprised. I would rather have... I would probably rather have Van Ness straight up. Just be it, the receiver class. Was, I don't like this receiver class. I think to pick it at the top of this receiver class it could be fool's gold very easily. Like Quinton Johnston, I think is very flawed. Um, I think uh, he is kind of like a shorter, slower DK Metcalf, which is not not great. I don't need those that. are the two things you don't want. Exactly, in DK Metcalf. <laughs> yes, um, and, and all all the guys who went in in the big row other than him were all tiny. Like Zay Flowers is apparently. A super great guy, but he's tiny, and I don't like tiny receivers in the blocking offense. And Zay Flowers or, or uh, and uh, Jordan Addison also not big, just confined to the slot at this level. Like uh, I don't know, this is a fool's gold receiver class. So I'm okay we didn't get him. In other classes, I'd be super hacked off at this, but not this one. It's just a not a great consensus, not a good receiver class. I agree with that. Maybe he'll prove us all wrong, but I think he fell for a reason. Alrighty, and also we've been over Van Ness over and over and over. Yeah, we have. Aaron Savage, Tyler Brook, and maybe also his book <laughs> seem yeah. high on Reed, where Rops, etc. Don't the disagreement can't all boil down to his QB, right? Um, Once again, the topic we've beaten to death. Yeah, to, to do this really quick, um, one area I disagree with Tyler and more scouty types on is in the value of a quick release off the line and it can be obviously like Devante's is like best all time it can make you a good receiver absolutely true but I think it really needs to be paired with a secondary skill and I ran into this with both uh Reed and Michael Mayer uh the Notre Dame tight end who has a, a good for a good first step and quick release and it does show up on tape um but doesn't necessarily possess the same level of athleticism as the other tight ends in this draft to pile on and he was not a good yak guy uh, as a result of that uh he was not really a great downfield threat when he got the chance there's a there's a few deep shots on tape to Michael Mayer but he didn't have them as often as even Sam Laporta did um and so i i think that is a skill that is in my opinion overvalued by 
like Tyler and his ilk, um, and it is much more valuable when it's comboed with something else. And I did not see that with Reed, um, on at least show up on the field very much. Um, there's some some tape where he pops, but by and large, uh, he kept he, in college. He caught the ball and he didn't generate much with it after the fact. Especially last year, 2021, he was quite a bit better. Last year, he was garbage. And that's the thing. when when they were doing his like post draft highlights on Twitter, I noticed a lot from 2021. Yeah, there was. Uh, and his yak per reception in 2021 was six yards per reception. It was four in 2022. That's uh, a for a guy not catching deep balls. I mean, he caught, caught deep balls, but that's a big a big downgrade. So um, that's why. And Tyler might be right. Tyler's right a lot, but that's the, that's what the disagreement fundamentally is. Patrick Detmer, overall, what would your assessment of the Packers scouting and player personnel departments as it relates to the selecting players in the draft? Are you, are there things they do which you really like or things you wish they would do differently when it comes to evaluating and selecting talent? How would you compare them in other front offices in the NFL? This draft, I think, was great. Um, mm-hmm. They they got value. They got good positions. Um, but they do weird stuff. And I wish they wouldn't do weird stuff as much. And like Quay Walker last year was a weird pick. Nothing against Quay, but that's generally not good value in that part of the draft. Mm-hmm. And then they do weird crap like Amari Rogers. Well, they'll just randomly go against all their, their profile tendencies. And that seems to happen with some regularity. Um and it never seems to work out. It usually blows yeah, up in their face. Like every single tendency breaker that Gudikins has made has been a poor. Outcome. Yeah, they need to find that scout and fire that scout because it keeps <laughs> not working, and it seems to be like a thing. Uh, it's like, okay, you guys get this one. We won't pay attention to the the, the cones and stuff, and then it never works. Mm-hmm. So um, that and you know you you should have some inefficient draft picks. That may sound silly, but. You can't pick edge players in the first round every single year, and you do need people to play off-ball linebacker and running back. And um, So doing those occasionally is fine. Doing them a lot is stupid, but doing them occasionally is fine. Uh, but but it really, for me, it's just when they when they stand on 16 every once in a while. Uh, that's uh, Don't do that. That's that's bad. But I think they're good. Uh, they have, I think, a good process. They... They bucket their talent well. They know what they like for athletic profiles. I do think they usually try to go with scheme fit um, with guys they need to run the specific offense they have. Um, that can be a blessing and a curse because it can limit you, but it can also get you deals on guys that are not as valuable to other people. Um, but I think they generally do a pretty good job. Uh, it's, a, it's a good office. I do also wonder um, how much, if at all, Aaron was impacting things in the past. Obviously, they weren't giving him receivers, but this draft seemed quite a bit different than the last mm-hmm. year. Uh, yes, and I do wonder, so. Like, this seemed very much by the book. And I do wonder if the book was stretched a little bit in the past for accommodating reasons outside of first-round receivers, of course. Yeah, it's. Um, I think at worst we're looking at a middle-of-the-road scouting and drafting system. Yeah. At best, at best inside the top 10. Yeah, I'd say that's about right. Laley Joel Osment, which DB is most likely to be forced out of their natural position ah. this season, which would be the most successful in what role? I think Razul playing Razul. free safety. Yeah, agreed. With a bullet. Maybe say Darnell Savage going to like slot corner a little bit because he's still on the team. I think Darnell Savage being on the field 
is outside of his natural position. Yeah. But like the the Razul to safety noise is very high at this point, and mm-hmm. um, they have they have some other corners they can slot into, and they could use some reliability in the back end. So probably that. And he is he's built to play safety. He's a thumper, so it's, I think that's not not a bad switch at all. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I think we're all kind of in agreement with that. We're all on this, Razul yeah. to safety, especially when you have someone who can take his place in the nickel. <laughs> Don Mattingly's sideburns, yeah. which I know about Don Mattingly now. <laughs> we were looking at highest war totals in five in the first five seasons. Yep. Don Mattingly's fifth, I think. That's stupid. That dude is wait, stupid. wait, wait. What? Well, yeah, wasn't it Mattingly? No, not fifth overall, not at all. In five in five seasons. Oh, in five. Maybe it wasn't. Okay, maybe yes. so. In, yeah. In war totals in their first five seasons of play, Mattingly, I believe, was fifth. Okay, that could be. Like he was very drunk for those five years. No, 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 no. Wade Box. You're thinking Wade, Wade Box. Box. Yeah, yeah. Dang it. With that's the, what I'm, I'm with the I'm drinking. Confusing. You got me with the drink. That's Wade, Wade Box. Box. That's yeah. where it was. Yeah. Mattingly was. He was in the top ten. Though. I was getting those two confused. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Box and Mattingly both good. Okay, Paul, or I guess anyone. Yep. This is a Rob's question. Yep. Uh, could you go more into why catch percentage is a good way to evaluate a wide receiver? Sure. Seems like there would be a lot of confounding variables, offensive schemes, right quarterback, play, et cetera, that would have significant influence in the catch percentage. Is the idea that Robup, wide receiver OBP, OBP. would be somewhat counterweighted by the addition of the slugging metric? So it's a good question, and it's this is pretty imperfect, but we do have some research to cite here, which is... Um, a long time ago, many, many years ago, I think about 20 now, uh, when Heinz Ward was still playing. I remember this, um, even though he was a stealer for life. Football Outsiders actually did a study on receivers who changed teams and the effect on their catch percentage. Some, I think Plexico Burris uh, was the comp there, which is why I remember it. And um, receivers who moved to better and worse quarterbacks, actually in, at the professional level, didn't see a huge change in their catch percentage. It was actually quite stable, um, which is, I would say, pretty counterintuitive. Um, but turned out to be the case. Receivers actually have a fairly large influence on that. Now, if you're going to go from like Peyton Manning to uh, some trash quarterback, that probably does have a larger impact. And in like college, Brock Osweiler. Like, <laughs> yes, like Brock Osweiler. And in college, where the gulf between top-level quarterbacks and lower-level quarterbacks is quite enormous it probably impacts a lot. So um, you are right that there are a lot of confounding variables, and it is hardly perfect, and you do have to add some context to it. The reason it is a good stat is um, receivers who catch a high percentage of their passes, sort of regardless of the depth of those passes, uh, tend to be good at moving the sticks. Um, Guys with high catch percentages tend to be first down generators. Um, Just think about how slot receivers kind of work. Um, And so they tend to be drive extenders, and it's valuable in terms of capturing that um, as a metric. And that is kind of how on-base percentage works in baseball. It is a stat that is binary. It is, did you make an out or did you not make an out? It captures walks and um, and hits as kind of the same thing. And that's what we try to capture with that. But um, it is imperfect. There are I think better stats that I could base it on or that you can just look at. Um, but they do involve a bit of scouting work and a bit of, you know, actual 
judgment, uh, like Sports Info Solutions um, captures like on tar- you know catchable target percentage. Um, in fact, PFF has a lot of drops, and did you catch things that were hard, and did you catch drop things? Like there are ways that you can sort of split that. Um, but from a macro perspective, over a big sample size, usually receivers with better hands, bigger catch radiuses are just going to be better at that. And, you know, you, you can you can check on the the exceptions. And uh, combining with with the slugging metric um, is also part of providing that context, where if you do have a guy who is catching most of his passes down the field, which is usually how you generate a high yards per catch, not always, you get Debo's once in a while, but usually, um, it's going to cut into your um, on-base percentage. It's going to cut into your catch percentage. And so uh, finding that balance there of, uh, you know, are you generating a lot of offense given the amount of passes you're catching is kind of the idea. But um, there's definitely more noise in OBP than there is in slugging, where um, dynamic receivers will kind of generate that on their own regardless of quarterback. And it does, you know, you, you will suffer on catch percentage if your quarterback goes to shit. That's that's just true. But uh, it's uh, it, it works most of the time in most situations. And it's nice to have a giant big ranking system of every receiver in football that's easily accessible. So I still think it's an exercise worth doing. I can wait some of this now. All right, let's go on to PJ. <laughs> PJ, don't call me nuclear vessels. It's a Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek. Star Trek Four. Yeah, just for text. <laughs> uh, what has to happen for Joe Barry to not be defensive coordinator either by the end of the 2023 season or of the 2024 season? Oh God, help us all. Um, LVN slash Hercules. I'm leaning LVN is another first round pick for the defense, but I'm not sure he will fix what was previously ailed that side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Joe Barry's got a lot of resources to work with and just can't get above like 16th defensively. And I don't see any reason to think this will do it. So, how many, fir- how many first round picks are on the defense? Like nine, isn't it? Yeah. It's eight or nine. <laughs> there's, there's one on the offense. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's clear what the problem is. And uh, he just keeps catching enough plausible deniability to stick around. It's so bad. And like they're kind of in a reset year, so if he sticks around for one more year, I wouldn't be that surprised. I think they really need to like fall off a cliff. Like um Joe <laughs> like Joe Barry the first kind of You just sorry, you just said a, a, a an R E word that I hadn't heard used yet. Oh yeah? You said reset, right? Yeah. So I've I've heard rebuild, reload, Ugh. remaster, um reform. But reset. That was the first time I've heard that one. That's that's the discourse in Packers Twitter today, and I'm I I hate every single moment. I love it. Ugh. Semantic crap forever. Anyway, Barry <laughs> needs to fail miserably. I think maybe in 2024 is when you start to get a hey, you should be better at this now. A look um, with maybe a total reset if love doesn't work out, and uh, just then you go full scorched earth. But uh, so if if the 2024 Packers are the 2012 Packers. Okay. Do you think he gets fired? Uh, no, because they were just. Oh, well, 2011 was really bad on defense. Yeah, I guess I do. 2011 was awful on yeah. defense, but had the best offense of all time. Right. So yes, I do. Okay. 
2012, like they were all just generally pretty good. Offense is still, or yep. defense is still not great. Okay. Uh, cheese, Cavariacci? Cavariacci, I think. Cavariacci? I'm not Italian, so I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so being in cap hell and all, a trade for Buda Baker is out of the question, right? The internet <laughs> speak of this trade is a possibility. Um, it's a possibility. There's there's a there's two levers left to pull. Yeah, so it can happen. Rashawn Gary extension. What's the other one? Um, there's a Bakhtiari restructure, I believe. Okay. That could also happen. So it's possible. Um, it can it's ha- possible. Yeah. There's also one roster spot open right now. That there is. So, um, what if they gave him Amos number? I mean, Adrian Amos is is good, but not retired the number good. No, but I'm saying so. Like thinking about the available numbers right now. Yeah. Um, Amos number is available. Sadie's number is available, and I believe there was one more. Was it Crosby? Uh, I think they gave Crosby's away, didn't they? Okay, but yeah, I remember there were like three numbers that were still available that were like. Well, you give I mean, him anyway. you give him Amos's because why not? Right. Oh man, so. You you know my gripe against Buda Baker, right? No, no, I don't. Not I. I have no gripes against Buda Baker as a player. I would love to have him as a safety on the Packers. I will never forgive him for stealing Jeff Janis' position in the Pro Bowl. Oh, all right, whatever. Um, Buda Baker in his rookie year was the same rookie year as Jeff Janis. Um, Janis was was passed up as uh, NFC special teams player for Buda Baker. Okay. Because Buddha was a better safety than Janice was a wide receiver, but yeah. Janice was the better special teamer. Well, still deserve that Pro Bowl nod, man. I guess, but I mean, Buddha Baker's better, so it's fine. But he was not a better special teamer, and Who that cares? was what he went to the Pro Bowl for. <laughs> Jeff Janice was a better special teamer that year. God. Do not care. So, team's rules, man. I'm on the Bisacci train. All right. And for Patreon questions, last but certainly not least. Old man on a bike in Sherlington. I missed you so, my friend. I'm an old man on a bike who is concerned the old man on a bike shtick is getting old. It's not. It's. I promise you it's not. <laughs> Much like Roger's time in Green Bay in 2022. I've been toying with a few alternatives for the 2023 season, but before taking such a drastic step, wanted to solicit some feedback from RA. If, if you've got something good, that's fine. Roll with it. However... Uh, I don't think the shtick has gotten old from you. Um, so the 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 copycats are nice tributes, um, but they are they don't capture the magic and whimsy of the typical old man on a bike in Sherlington question. So uh, y'all... the the copycats are playing the notes, but they don't hear the music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, man, I trust your ability in creating a shtick. So if you want to try something different, yeah. I would not be against it. Good to go outside because your comfort I, zone. Because I trust you. But no, the old man on a bike stuff is not old. It's great. Yep. <laughs> Shall we move on to Twitter where yeah, we, we only have one, the one question? Let's get, let's get this puppy put to bed. Jonathan Deal, everybody's favorite uh, bald cosplayer. Um, even during a reload or rebuilding or whatever you term the perverts. See, I told you this. Yep. Yep. Paul called it a reset. Should the Packers use roster spots on experienced veterans or just embrace a full youth movement? I wouldn't bother with veterans personally. Like I can see the appeal of getting like Buda Baker, but um, this is 
I'd say youth or bust, and you may as well just go full on. Like maybe you catch lightning in a bottle, people develop quickly, and you actually put something together. But there's no reason to like chase that. Like, um, if if Buda Baker's not gonna make a difference, that's the thing. Like they're mm-hmm. gonna need a bunch of youth to gel to have anything anyway. There's no reason to just bring in retreads and on the wide receiver spot, especially where I've seen a lot of like, oh, they need a veteran receiver, even from Matt Lafleur. Uh, all of the veteran receivers available are trash. Like every single one of them. They're... Name name one veteran wide receiver who is better than anyone currently on the roster. Yeah, like you're 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 hoping for a Julio Jones uh, healthy hamstring year. Which good luck with that. Have fun with that. That's like your best bets. Like Jarvis Landry, I think is a corpse at this point. Um, like Jay Kumaro is literally the eighth best free agent receiver available. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Go look at the list. I swear to you, it is oh the case. Oh my god. It is a bad list. Just just play rookies. There's no reason to bring in a veteran. Sammy Watkins so th- is like fifth amongst the, the available people. You already did that. You don't need to do that again. Like, don't do that. So this is, I mean, I mean we're, we're near the end of the podcast yeah. so the big football brain people aren't listening anymore. But that <laughs> that's the, the football brain masses believe that you need some kind of veteran locker room presence to hold it all together. That's what Sean Clifford is for. <laughs> all right i still wish penn state would have got the death penalty i mean yeah and then the yeah. Pack, and then the packers spend a better fifth round pick six years later <laughs> it's fine it's the butterfly effect man yep there, yes that's all right on the, on the <laughs> subject of penn state i will say as as critical as i am of drills tweets all of his tweets about Penn State are bangers. <laughs> they are. They are. Matt does not like drill, but I don't think he deserves the accolades. He, he absolutely does. You're just wrong about that. <laughs> he, he is a the poet of our generation. Um, so right. I, I will say your point in that we are watching the creative process happen. Yeah, I get it. But he's he puts out some stinkers, man. <laughs> uh, they're, they're not all going to be winners, man. There. And on that bombshell, yeah, all right. do the, the Top do, Gear outro. Do you do you have any plugs before we go? Of course, I don't have anything to plug. I know you, think you I don't. make content. I just wanted to ask. Uh, I'm writing. <laughs> I'm writing on uh, if they're in a rebuild or not right now. Just to, oh my god, just to tick off everybody. And uh, I'm writing on on Jaden Reed too, with all, everything you pr- pretty much heard here, but uh, but context uh statified a little bit more that's not a word but you get what i'm talking about so that, that'll do it for us um and ooh, ooh, i got one thing to plug all right plug go subscribe to the uh milwaukee journal sentinel daily email thing oh yeah that is great we should the daily update it's good it's real good yeah you know what i have something else to plug too so do that jr writes um one of the days friday that's fridays um so go do that it's well worth having it is a good um thing to have in your email box uh tyler started the youtube channel where he's breaking out yeah. film and i think he's actually recording with dusty right now for uh one of his inaugural oh. shows so tyler got to ten thousand views in the first day we don't have to plug him we should plug. Right. <laughs> every little bit helps He's going to get too big for his britches. The last dozen that we get him will be a big huge He's going to come on the show and talk about the Colts in Indiana and all the other corn state things. (laughs) But go check that out, too. And that'll do it for us. Uh, We'll we'll be back when something happens um, or or just for kicks uh, later on. But the season will be on us before we know it. So um, uh, that'll do it. We'll see you guys later. Peace out. Enjoy the offseason. Enjoy the summer. Peace.